0: Welcome to Women Winning at Work podcast. My name is Barka Herman. I interview women with successful careers in tech. Please like and share this episode and podcast and do reach out to me if you or someone you know would like to be featured on my podcast. The best place to find me is on LinkedIn, Barka Herman. And now without delay, please enjoy this episode. This interview is for a podcast that I'm starting. My name is Barka Herman, as you know. I yeah. am a CSA at um, at Microsoft, uh, which is a cloud, cloud solution architect. And yeah. you, Rossi, are my very first guest.
1: Oh my yes. gosh, I'm so excited, <laughs> thank you for having me. That absolutely,
0: so absolutely. Special. Yeah, so um, let me introduce to you real quick. Okay. So you're a senior customer success manager at Microsoft. You're also a councilwoman and you are also a, a, uh, entrepreneur. So I want to hear all about it, but, um, first I want to learn how to say your name. So your, 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 um, given name is Roseanne, but you go by Roxy.
1: Yeah, my given name is uh Rasan, but I go by Roxy. Oh, it's a, okay. it's a funny story why I go by Roxy, but I won't I won't bore you with the details today.
0: Oh, no, no, no. I'm I'm all for stories. And well, uh, but but, yeah, let me, but let me you your last name before you go into that story. Uh I'm going to do my best to say your last name. Your last name is Dembu Mandu. Okay, very
1: very close. It's Indebu Madu. Okay, in Indebu
0: Madu. Okay. Indebu
1: Madu. Mm-hmm.
0: Wonderful, wonderful. <laughs> uh, so uh, welcome and thank uh, you. Jump right in and tell me. Uh, you know the, uh, so you can start with the story of your name. My if you like.
1: Okay, let me start with the story of my name. It'll put people at ease so when i was a very 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 little girl couldn't talk couldn't say anything um right after i was born my mom she had like just literally came to the states and she was saying my name and they couldn't understand her accent because it was so thick and so nigerian and so they mis they mispronounced it and misspelled it and by the time that we found out many like many days later at that point sorry about the door at that point she didn't have enough money because she had just came to the states to go back and fight that process and fight that battle of getting the name changed because they wanted her to pay so we just left it as is and then she just continued to call me Roxanne and um Roxy my entire life so professionally I've always gone by Roxy everyone's always called me Ross- Roxy and it's funny because when I tell people my real name and when I say it they always add different variations of it. They say Rosemary, Roseanne, Rosalind, Rosalind. And I'm just like, you know what? Just call me Roxy. It's fine. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, uh, it's very interesting, very crazy, but you know, we've made we've made it work.
0: There you go. There you go. That's yeah. funny. That, that is an interesting story. And yes, you know, um, names do get butchered around the world, right?
1: <laughs> hundred percent. hundred percent. I am all too familiar from my first name to my last name. Imagine imagine trying to get like a thousand people who voted for you to say your last name. Very difficult task.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And my own name it's it's Hindi, but it's also like a Arabized version of a Sanskrit word. So everybody gets it wrong. And the year of the, the eight years that Barack Obama was president, um, people wanted to call me Baraka instead <laughs> <You know>, of Baraka.
1: <laughs> Aw, that is honorable. That is very honorable that they were you the Very honorable. But I, I can completely understand Baraka. <laughs> and, and, you
0: know, and, and it was good, but, you know, it was still, it's like, wait a minute. For the last 20 years of my existence in the United States, People didn't make that, but they just learned a new word, so they were yeah. applying it everywhere, and it's, it's wonderful. It's beautiful. Okay. Hilarious.
1: You're iconic so, for
0: that one. Um, so I'm going to ask you, um, so the first series of questions I have are about your origin story. Okay. So you have um, three of them, and, you know, of course, you have more of them because you're more than just the three things we're going to talk about today. But I'd love to hear um, – your origin story because i'm i'm a geek and i like comic books (laughs) and you're a hero you're a comic book heroine and so you have an origin story so um so tell me about your origin story into you know computer science as well as in politics as well as in startup and you know anything else you want to share
1: yeah i think it really my story is fascinating it starts it started. It starts out with this this journey of really trying to figure out who I was as a person growing up. Uh, I, I I talk to, I talk about my mom a lot, but me and my mom weren't always super close. And I think people who may not be from the states or might be from like a whether that's an African or Asian type of country may relate to this. But my mom was a little bit isolated from the experience of raising me. <laughs> Because in our culture, it's very much so, okay, you have the child, now the community gets to raise the child, and now I'm done and relieved of my duties. And so me and my mom weren't always as close, and my father wasn't really in my life. So it started out as this experience of really trying to figure out, like, how to navigate and who am I and what are my values and And am I American? Am I Nigerian? What does that look like? Because I spent a lot of time going back and forth between America and and Nigeria and other various places um, within Europe because that's part of where my my family immigrated to. And so I think during that process and during that journey of not having any siblings, not really being close with parents, and really um, developing this relationship with uh, the woman who is now today my godmother who was a next door neighbor that was really there for me in my various times of needs when I didn't have any food or when my mom was out of the country or when I was going through various challenges in elementary or whatever that looked like, I really figured out what I was passionate about. And for me, that was advocacy and helping people. The reason why I was passionate about that was because when I grew up, I went through a number of traumatic experiences as a child that I that that I think far too many children go through that we don't know about because they, they essentially hide it really, really well. And mental health isn't something that we, we drastically promote in our cultures, no matter what culture you're in. And so I think what I realized was because of those experiences, whether they were like domestic abuse or figuring out how to find my next meal or forging my passport to work at the age of 13, what I learned is that because there was no one to really advocate for me, I am really passionate about advocating for people. That led me onto this journey of nursing. So when I went to college, I started at Morgan State University in Wash well, in Baltimore, Maryland. And then I transferred when the nursing program lost accreditation to Howard University. So I was a transfer student at Howard University, actually quite bullied as a transfer student, because I feel like transfer students are never understood. And I took on nursing there as well. But there was this common thread of, protecting people and being able to solve problems and being able to comfort the mind, whether that's when you're getting an illness or when you're getting a sickness. And then also, in addition to that, because I grew up partly in Nigeria, I really want to understand disproportionate diseases that affect certain communities differently. So I was really passionate about that. About two years into that career, I was like, oh, this is not really for me. Like, I don't think so. And that kind of led me into this journey of thinking, How can I continue to be this person who's passionate about advocacy, who really loves solving problems, who's really passionate about the person and their experiences, whether it's at uh, a mental level, a health level, whether it's at innovation or advancement, whatever that looks like? How can I still solve for those problems? For me, that answer was tech, because if I looked at the problems in Nigeria and I looked at the problems that I faced as a child, when you look at some of the, the 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 hindrances for infrastructure. Whether that's in Nigeria or other places, it's because they have lack of access to tech. There's a lot of opportunity that comes with technology and, and, and there's a lot of, whether that's connection or whether that's jobs or whatever you want to, you want to look at it. A lot of things are interconnected with technology. And I was like, that's the one. That's the one. I'm going to yes. go into tech. I'm I, like, I can make a greater impact in tech. So I pivoted and I began my foray into tech and convincing Microsoft or people like Microsoft why somebody with a nursing background would be an ideal hire because of the yeah. skills that we gained from those types of programs. Then after that, I said, you know what? I'm in Microsoft. I'm jamming it out. Been here two and a half years. We're doing a great job with customers. I'm learning a lot. How can I take that a step further and push forward and, and continue to, to become? Uh, Michelle Obama's book is Becoming. I'll reference that a lot. How can I continue to become? So I said, okay, uh, it's time to run for office. And quite frankly, one of my mentors at Microsoft was like, you know, Roxy, you always have something to say. Like, why don't you just go run for office? Like, that's for you. And I was like, you know, funny enough, I never thought of that. You, you might be right. Let me go try. So I registered 45 days before the local election and said, you know, we're wow. going to try this out. What's the worst that could happen? I could either lose or if I don't lose, I'm going to get a new, gain a new set of experiences that will either continue to propel me as a person or add to my story. So I ran, ended up winning, and then was like, oh, wow, now I really need to learn how to do the job. Uh, Microsoft was really helpful in that way because a lot of the stuff that we practice, whether that's on, on an executionary level, at the field level with customers and empathy and action and being the customer hero, being customer obsessed, that really helped me in my counsel work because even though I didn't necessarily know the job, I knew mm-hmm. the basics of empathy being obsessive about like they're not my customers because essentially they're my bosses, the 70,000 people I report to, they're my boss, right. Right. but how do I be obsessive about the outcome of their quality of life and really apply that to be this, this hero, not from egotistical purposes, but being able to really champion the initiatives that are passionate, that they're passionate about. So, uh, I've been in that for the last three years, or no, last two years. It's going on three years at the end of this year. Uh, and I love, I love every aspect of it because it's, it's proximity to people. And like, what more could you ask for? Like, to get to know people, it's just, it's beautiful.
0: It's amazing. It's amazing. And so, so inspiring. So, so, so inspiring. So, thank you for sharing. Uh, Now you do mention entrepreneurship on, on your uh, resume. So tell me a little bit about it.
1: So as a child spending time in Nigeria, one of the fondest memories I have are the people on the side of the road in Lagos. Anybody who's ever been to Lagos knows this to be very true of people selling water or fruits or coming up to your car and trying to clean your wife. Like, it's you remember that yeah. yeah, you remember that very distinctly. You remember distinctly how people turn everything into a business to be able to create opportunity for themselves or other people, and yeah. growing up with parents who were very much so entrepreneurial, they had their businesses on the side. I was very, very fascinated by the creation of an idea to reality and mass scale of those types of ideas, as well as the simple fact that an ordinary person could could have a problem that bothers them so deeply that they could wake up one morning and say, OK, I've got a problem. This is a, the projected solution. Now I'm going to build a whole entire company around it. I'm going to build a business or a software or product or whatever around it. That is so yeah. that was so fascinating to me. And then in, in college. Out of boredom, I, I used to build mobile apps on the side, just out of boredom, like prototyping and things like that. And that was a really big fascination to me. So I really became obsessive about innovation and, like, building businesses and in culture and the sustainability of a business and how you really deliver impact to your customers or how you really meet consumers where they are from a mental, like, human fragility perspective. Uh, so I became really obsessed with that. And I think that as I've gotten older... I've always tried to figure out a way to start a business one way or another, or at least advise other people who are younger or older, in that matter of fact, to be able to bring their ideas to reality and really build them out to make something really, really, really meaningful and impactful. Because if you even look at the startup space, the startup space is so fascinating in terms of the things and the solutions and the the different products that are coming out of different people's minds based off of their unique experiences or the way that they perceive a problem or the way they perceive a challenge. And it becomes an integral part of our society in the way that our ecosystem operates and what they contribute. And now that I'm on council, I see it a little differently from an employer perspective or how they contribute to the culture of that area or the tax incentives that go into that to manufacturing. Like it's an entire life cycle on its own. That's just so fascinating. So now, you know, my childhood story of the fascination of people selling water on the side of the road to how that actually contributes to a a functioning economy and society.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's so, it's so interesting that you bring that up is, um, you know, uh, because we do sort of, um, in some ways are, are making our kids less, um, uh, curious by making them go through this pipeline, you know, this tight rope of this is the only thing, this is the path, right? And um, and you know it's it's fascinating to me to hear how you know your your journey of just observing people on the other side of the road. um, There's two ways to look at that. One way might be, um, oh, those poor people. But you took an empowering message from them, saying, "Oh, look at
1: those ingenious people!" Right? That's
0: amazing. That's fascinating. Love it. Love it. That's growth yeah. mindset at work.
1: <laughs> yes, it is. Cause they are. They are ingenious. I mean, anyone that can figure out how to make a business out of fruits, I, I totally support you. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> Amazing. Um, so talk to me about what motivates you because I talk to a lot of young people and I, I do a lot of volunteer work with uh, high schoolers and whatnot. And motivation seems to be like the, you know, the missing element sometimes. Now, I'm not saying they're not motivated because they're plenty motivated to do the things that they do want to do. Yeah. It's, you know, so t- talk to me about your motivation. Where do you derive motivation from?
1: My motivation deeply comes from my life experiences and the trauma that I faced as a child. And that's genuinely all that it comes from because when I look at Reasons to be motivated or reasons to be empowered or ambitious. It doesn't necessarily come from a child or it doesn't come from an innate object. It's more from past experiences and living them and and seeing the other side, because I genuinely believe that some of those experiences that I faced. Certain people who might have faced those experiences might not be alive today because of the the, the intensity that was associated with them. And so the fact that I am, to me, is a blessing in itself. And so for that reason alone, I look at other people around me and the ability to accomplish and achieve. I don't want people who could potentially have experienced the same things or will experience the same things to feel like that is meant to break them. And that they need to give up. And so my motivation comes from my previous experiences as a child and not wanting any other child to, to feel broken Mm -hmm. after those experiences or have to go through those experiences. I do believe that sometimes when we go through things, we lead ourselves to believe that the outcome is destined. And, but it's more from a negative place than it is an optimistic place of, of connecting with that experience and seeing. Seeing the, the, the end of the road because some of us can't see that. And so I just want to be as helpful as an impact and as impactful as I can possibly be so that people who are in those similar circumstances don't necessarily stop there and they can see the light at the end of the tunnel and they keep going.
0: Yeah. Thank you for that. That's, that's really neat. So now that you know you're an accomplished woman, Roxy, you have a career, you have a uh, political uh, you know position, you're an elected official, you're doing all these amazing things. Um, What now? And I I understand that you went through trauma in your childhood. What is the most challenging thing today for you?
1: Whoo! The most challenging thing today. For me, I would say that this is across the board, no matter what job it is. It would have to be resistance to change and also a lack of growth mindset.
0: Mm-hmm. Those are
1: the two biggest things that are the most challenging. When I look at the city council and just a city in general, when you have such a mass amount of people that are involved, that you're essentially there for and that you're providing for in whatever capacity. Sometimes there can be a certain resistance to the change that needs to happen to continue to move with the speed of innovation. And everybody isn't as welcoming to that idea because they can't see the end of the tunnel There's a certain level of fear around uncertainty that's associated with where those people are. And I understand why, completely understand why, because if you've operated in a certain capacity for a certain amount of time, it makes sense. You got to where you are by being that way. So now when people try to come and tell you you need to embrace change, you're looking at them, well, like for 20 years, this is work. Why do I need to embrace what you have to say? So I get it. But at the same time, that's where that growth mindset kind of comes in, because the, the number one also challenge that I see In general, whether it's in any work capacity, is that people are very specific to their experiences and they don't take the time to zoom out to see the collective experiences around them and how they can bring that back in to add to the perspective of their experience. So they get into the space of not being welcome of a growth mindset or they think they have a growth mindset when they really truly don't. Because they're only operating off of that one perspective, that one per- experience, and they can't relate to other people's experiences to bring that into that perspective. So for me, those would have to be the two biggest challenges. I'll give you one example. I just got an email from, I just got an email today from a constituent where we are today, I am announcing a partnership with Rosetta Stone where they're offering free services to my community based off of uh, me asking their CEO, because I'm always asking for something. And a resident responded to me and said, Hey, you mentioned something in the resolution that I didn't like, but it was very specific to the black community. This person didn't like that because they couldn't relate to the specific reference for the black community because they are not black, which I understand that perspective because you're almost looking at it like, what does that have to do with me? What's what's in it for me? But but if you took the time to just zoom out a little bit and know that there's 56 percent of the 70,000 people here who are black, that you could possibly relate to their experience and understand why that reference might be there. So I think that those for me would have to be the biggest challenges that I see.
0: Yeah, no, I get that. And and so um, to follow up on that, what has worked for you? So, you know, I i am not asking you to solve the entire um, world's growth mindset problem, but, you know, something that's actually worked for you, some practical tips that you could can make another, you know, Roxy 2.0 or some young person mm-hmm. who is listening to this and say, I want to be just like her. What 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 advice would you give them?
1: I will say before I answer that, I am crazy enough to try to solve for that for the world. I just want to <laughs> let you know, and anyone who's listening, I am crazy enough to try that. But <laughs> um, the tangible advice that I would give, and this is something that I practice, what which is what really helps me. One, you have to be super curious, extremely curious, and understand whenever someone says or does something there's always an underlying premise. And when I say premise, I don't mean that, I don't necessarily mean that there's a motivation, but there's a premise. So it's almost like what they're saying, it's there, but it's not pronounced. And you have to be curious enough to ask certain questions and ask the right questions to be able to get to the bottom of what that person is actually truly saying that you might be missing, or that might not be as apparent of where the comment may be coming from. So asking questions and being super curious, that's one. Two is zoom out. Take yourself out of the equation because we're, we're human. We have emotions and we have feelings and reactions. Zoom out of it for a second and just think about it from that person, that pers, that person's perspective. Try to empathize with them for a second and understand like, wow, what place is this person in and where are they coming from that made them respond this way or made them react this way or is causing, uh, this, this visceral effect in their behavior or driving these patterns? What Could that possibly be? And once you understand those kind of triggers or those kind of premise points, it will help you be able to create craft a response or craft a communication style to be able to meet them where they are. Now, what that does look like is there will be a lot of times where you'll have to be the bigger person. And I know sometimes it's very hard. It's very difficult because even for me, I don't always want to be the bigger person. Sometimes I just want to be the small person. You know, when they go high, go, go, when they go low, go high. Sometimes I don't want to go anywhere. I don't even want to go high. But it's, it's, it's that patience that you have with yourself and zooming out that will allow you to be able to go high every single time. So I think it's really about being curious, asking questions, zooming out, really understanding where that person is coming from, reasoning with them from a place of empathy and then fostering that dialogue again. And, and I promise you it equals progress most of the time.
0: That's wonderful. Great sage advice <laughs> from a young sage. Thank you. <laughs> wonderful. Um, so what, in, what is the best part of being Roxy?
1: Oh my gosh, I've never been asked that question before. I think the best part of being Roxy is that I am just obsessively optimistic. And I think that's the best part. I, I had a a friend who texted me the other day and I, I love him very dearly, but he's like way older than me. But he's just a great person. And he said, wow, you're just like obsessively optimistic that you can help me with my mindset around some of these business challenges. And I'm just like way, 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 way older than you. And I I admire that. And so I personally think that's the best part. It's the ability to kind of see things from a place of positivity and be able to be optimistic that, you know, the the right things will happen and not really getting caught up in in the the tough stuff but just being optimistic that no matter what whether it's in times of covid or it's in times of economic downturn like we're going to make it like there's just having so much hope and faith in humanity that like we as a people will be okay it, it's just I'm just obsessively optimistic and i think that's the best part of being me. And it's funny because a lot of people assume that it might be the notoriety or like the titles or anything like that. And that stuff is just not fun. I'm actually very awkward about it. Like, I really hate being called councilwoman. It's very awkward. Um, and so when people say it in the in my neighborhoods and areas, I'm just like, please just call me Roxy. That's just very weird. Like, it's not necessary. Or being treated differently. I, I just don't care for those types of things. And so I know that some people assume that that might be the best part, but it's really not. It's really just the... The being able to stay true to who you are, because sometimes when you get in certain environments, whether that's an environment like Microsoft that comes with a lot of intensity or being elected, you're under scrutiny all the time. It's really difficult to stay true to who you are. It's really hard because there will be times and tough challenges that come 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 along that will try you and they will test who you are as a person, your values, your your faith, who you truly are and so being able to stay true to that is just really a blessing in itself and it's it's the best part about being me.
0: Awesome, awesome. So I do have a couple of follow-up questions mm-hmm. and this is actually very selfish. <laughs> um, you know, hey, it's my show, so I get to be selfish. <laughs> um but you know, I was I was on a call at Microsoft and you know, some some amazingly brilliant women and um a term got thrown, thrown, which kind of put me in a loop because I'm also very positive, uh, and optimistic. Um, say, and the term was toxic positivity. Hmm. You know, what are your thoughts about it? What are you feeling? Because for me, it was like, what? You know, and, yeah. and I, was, I was a little taken aback, but you know, I'd love to hear your perspective on that.
1: wow, that term in itself is just so deep and has so many underlying things to it um, that it even exists is very interesting and that people actually, you know, resonate with it. I personally think toxic positivity essentially could, there's two parts to it. One part is I understand people who feel like you're so positive that you have a blind spot that you just can't Mm. see anything else, but the good, the good, the good, the good. So when the bad comes, you possibly miss it, which essentially opens you up to vulnerability. I understand that because I, I do feel like there is a certain thing of you just being overtly positive that you don't recognize the bad. It's different to recognize the bad and then turn it into a positive or try to see the best in it while acknowledging that there might be some negative there. Those are two different things versus just only choosing to see the positive. That's living in a different type of space that that um, can be hindering in a little in a sense. However, there's another side of that of people who essentially can't necessarily enter that space or can't necessarily see the good in anything because of the space that they may be in emotionally at that time or just physically as a person. And so because it's almost like a saying that we used to say a very long time ago in, in Africa, like misery loves company. I'm pretty sure that's mm-hmm. still saying in the States yes. um, of people who just can't see that and they don't they can't meet you where you are and you can't meet them where you are, where they are. So that causes this little this gap situation of where people are just not relating or understanding each other. I think that all in all, in general, I, I think that we have to be careful. I think society does a really good job and us as humans. In labeling people, oh, you're this, you're that, you're this, you're that, you're et, cetera, et cetera. But I think what we don't do a good job is just recognizing where somebody is and just mm-hmm. trying to understand why they might be there and what your takeaway is from that. And, and that's really it, as opposed to just labeling and saying, oh, you're you're you have toxic positivity because you're always happy all the time. I mean, right. that may be their way of coping. You know, who knows? So I think there, it's, it's such a nuanced question. There's so many layers to it, yeah. but I, I, I'm really specific and partial to labels because I, I know what it's like. I'm one of those people where people may not necessarily be able to relate to my story or my trajectory or the velocity of my trajectory. So they create all these labels of, Oh, she's this. Oh, she's selfish. Oh, she's just overly ambitious. She only cares about herself. She's all these things that essentially don't relate to who I, and as a person, if you met me, you yeah. know, those things are not true. But because they can't relate to that, they're making up these scenarios.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So um, so I, I do have a follow up question, but something came to mind and I'll just share uh, misery love Com- company. It's also uh, known as grievance shopping. Yeah. So in other words, you know, you, you have a grievance, you talk to your friend and the friend is like, well, how, why didn't you do this or whatever? And they hang up and they find somebody else is like, oh, those bastards or whatever. You know?
1: mm-hmm. Yep. Kind they kind of like dwell in that space with them. they
0: are even shopping. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am familiar with that. And I get it. You know, we all indulge in it a little bit. And it's okay to do for short periods of time, but get over it eventually and, and move on with life. Um, but the follow-up question that I do have for you is um, you did mention that, you know, um, you find it difficult sometimes um, to stay true to yourself and your values. So talk to me on that because I think that's very valuable. Uh, we get caught up in, and I'm, I'm a first generation immigrant myself. We get caught up in, you know, a, a lot of people, uh, see me as, oh, um, you know, you work for Microsoft. So there's some kind of quality associated just because I'm the same person as, as I was 10 years ago when I didn't, and I'm just as smart, but now there's like this, Father, you know, so how do you stay stay, um, true to yourself and true to your values and your faith and, you know, whatever else, your essence?
1: Uh, It's so tough. It's been so hard and so challenging. But as I continue to get closer to who it is I'm blossoming into, it becomes easier. I promise you. So I want to say, share that for people who are going through it and they feel like it's really difficult. It be, it gets easier eventually. Uh, for me, it's really understanding personally, what do I want to accomplish? Like what do I want my legacy to be? What do I want to be remembered as? Like when people think of me at my Funeral and on my obituary, what is it that I want them to write about me? Like, what do I want people to be able to say? And I know that's very hard for some to even contextualize and think about, but it's important because it will guide the way that you act. And so, I had a mentoring session with a fantastic woman at Microsoft named Diane, and she asked me a question that threw me for a loop. And she said, Hey, Roxy, when you have your funeral, what is it that people are going to write about you on your obituary? And I was like, Huh? I I hope good things. I don't know. What are they going to write? That's a great question. And when I started thinking about it more, I started coming up with all these things that I wanted to be remembered as. I wanted people to feel when they, when they talk to me. Like, I don't want you to think about what I looked like or what I sounded like. I want you to take away the feeling that you got from spending time with me and what that did for you. And, Once I did that little exercise, it started guiding a lot of my actions where at the end of the day, when a challenging situation presented itself, and many have just in the last two weeks, I could sit here and say, I know you want to respond like this and I know you want to react like this, but is that the feeling that you say that you want people to get from experiencing you? Like Even if I get into a disagreement with someone or a minor... A minor rumble, as Brene Brown would say. A minor <laughs> rumble. I want people to walk away and be like, you know, I didn't really like that exchange. However, I felt seen and heard, and I mm-hmm. felt like she was still respectable, and she mm-hmm. was empathetic in the process. Mm-hmm. Even though I didn't like it, I still felt like she empathized with me. Yeah. And so because of that, it gets easier to be able to get into these tough situations, uh, whether that's disagreements, people labeling you, people, you know, doing things to you that may cause you harm or hurt. It gets easier to be able to respond and react to them and not change who you are. And I will tell a, a brief story. There was a time in my life where I got really really self-conscious. I've been really active on LinkedIn for a really long time. And for people who experience me, they're like, oh, she's so open. But that stuff is tough. It's not easy to be so open because you're opening yourself up to public scrutiny and people that share their opinions that you don't ask for. So I went through this period and I used to share. And then when I started sharing on LinkedIn, this was probably like a year and a half, two years ago, I would get feedback that like oh, you're so active. Are you working? You're not working. Or, oh, I read this and I just feel like you're just very self-centered with me sharing my journey to be able to help other people. And it was really tough for me because I was just like, do I change who I am knowing that my mission is to really help other people and share my story so people can be inspired to share their story so other people can't be labeled so we can invite certain people into the conversation so that we can enhance humanity in a certain direction? That is who I am. So even though I am getting that feedback and even though those people feel that way, maybe there's something I can look at in the way that I communicate that would make them feel more comfortable. But at the end of the day, if I'm being true to who I am as a person and that just disrupts people, I'm just gonna have to be okay with that and understand that. What is the sacrifice I'm willing to make? Do I want to be liked by the entire world, which I know that's not possible, or do I just want to be content knowing that I'm being who I am and who I set out to be and, and staying true to that vision. And for me, the reward was always greater with being true to who I am,
0: yeah, 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 and I think that in the short short sighted view would be you know to just be good look good and mm-hmm. uh, the in the in the long term view the not losing the opportunity cost is actually. Yeah. Being everything that you can be, exactly. So wonderful, uh, wonderful comfort conversation. I can talk to you for hours, but I want to <laughs> give you an yeah. opportunity to um, to say something or share something that you want to, and feel free to give me, you know, your social media or whatever. Yeah, I'm happy to promote you in any way I can.
1: One thing that I would say, and I and I always want to give people the realistic version because like. Some people may have listened to this and they're like, oh, it's so peachy rosy. Like, she's just so, uh, like, I want to give you the reality because there is reality associated with it. When you are a high achiever, a very ambitious, driven, no matter whether you're a man or a woman, whatever that looks like, and you just know that you can accomplish a lot and you have a lot of faith in yourself, understand that it will be hard, it will be difficult, you will lose friends, people will not be able to understand your vision, people will not understand you as a person. But you just can't let that stop you. But I, I really want people to know that that reality is there. Because I think so many times we see some of these figures um, that are at the top or that we perceive to have made it or our idols, like a Michelle Obama. Everybody doesn't like Michelle Obama. That's just, yeah. that's just the reality of it. So I think it's really coming to grips with the reality that everybody is not going to like you. Everybody is not going to be welcoming. Everybody is not going to be supportive of your vision. Everybody is not going to be a friend. The quicker that you come to that reality and understand, and, and that doesn't mean anything bad about those people. They're still great people. They're just not your yeah. people. They're just not your tribe. And that's okay. I think the quicker that people come to that reality, the easier it is for them to go down that journey.
0: Yeah. 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 That's wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah. That's such a great, great, great advice for for closing down because I think that you know, as women, especially, um, there is the feminine principle of nurturing. So we mm-hmm. want to be liked by everyone and nurture everyone, right? It's it's hard for us to, and yeah. um, you know, it's it's a, it's a female principle and it exists in men and women. So I don't think it's a it's a gender thing. Okay. Uh, but yeah, so that's that's. But that's very brave and courageous of you to to stand up for that and s- speak your truth so um anything else you want to share before we close out?
1: No, besides like besides this is just I'm just excited like these are just exciting times, so many great startups coming out of the pandemic, so many great different processes of innovations that are happening so many new connections so many new friendships that are being born so many realizations that people are having from the time that they've had to reflect on their life or whatever that is it's just exciting so I think that people just have to be reminded that this is an exciting time it really is we're getting ready to hopefully one day across the entire world open back up and and be at a place of our new normalcy and I just ask people to just take advantage of what's coming and what's to come, and the new connections that they've created, and the new things that they they've come to like and love and come across, and and it'll it will it will definitely be to your liking for sure. Um, but my socials are all Roxy at Roxy and Devlumadu, so Roxy and Devlumadu, my first last name all together across Twitter, Facebook clubhouse (laughs) Instagram LinkedIn they're all the same and I welcome anyone to reach out to me like even if you just want to connect and have a conversation I love talking about books anything philosophical innovation technology politics whatever like I just welcome the new connections I love connecting with people
0: Thank you so much for being so generous with your time. And, uh, you know, I, I, what a fantastic first podcast for me. So thank you. And uh, so I'm going to stop recording for a second. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed the episode as much as I enjoyed recording it. Thank you so much for listening. Please like this episode and share it with someone you think that'll enjoy it. And do reach out to me on LinkedIn and connect. And also, if you would like to, please join my newsletter by visiting www.barcaherman.com. Thank you.